Kentucky sneaks it, and I don't know. Now he reaches. Second effort didn't get him in. I want to get into specifics, but I felt like I was in there both times. I, I mean, you know, I don't want to get fined up here, so I'm not going to say get into specifics about that, but I felt like I got in both times. I just know I got off the ball. I got to the edge, and I seen him by the throw, and I've been practicing it every week, you know, just staying down and working, and it just so happened that it came up big for the team. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Excellent, excellent Wisconsin sports weekend, especially football. Right, Badgers won because, because of, of course they did. Because, because of course they did. Everybody expected him to lose to Purdue. I heard Zach Heilprin on Friday. Bill Michaels asked him, so the Badgers are going to lose to Purdue? And Zach's like, yeah, I think so, probably. We were all, it's not just me. I always say that my teams are going to lose or that they're going to win, right? But you, you get legit voices on this network, like Ben Kenny, who's Mr. Wisconsin Badgers. He's like, yeah, they're not going to win. And Zach Halpern's like, they're not going to win. And I, I don't even know if I made a prediction, so I can't say that I was right or wrong. But we were resigned to the fact they're going to lose. Of course they won, because of course. Packers won yesterday. I haven't felt that confident in a Packers game in a while. I knew they were going to win that game. I said that on Friday. I was like, we'll talk about a Packers win on Monday. It wasn't even pretty, and it's still... Wasn't close. I think my favorite event of the weekend. Oh, yeah. I said I was going. I went. It was real, and it was fantastic. Cross-country sectional championships in West Salem on Saturday. Oh, wow. You know when football announcers say, oh, it's a perfect day for football. No, 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 no. Saturday was a perfect day for cross-country. Just a little nip in the air. No wind. Mm Mm-mm. No wind. Perfect fall day. Little chilly. Keep everybody cool. That's what we love to see at a championship meet. Perfect PR conditions. A lot of fast times. Fast course on Saturday. Wow, great meet. On Alaska Menominee. Both just juggernauts. Chalk favorites the whole way. Love to see two elite teams with lots of elite runners come in and just mop the floor or the course. Wow. Great event on Saturday. That was my my highlight of the weekend. But I guess we'll talk about the Badgers and the Packers. Sure. Yeah, let's do that. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you enjoyed the weekend. Did not expect a Badgers win on Saturday, so that was a nice little added bonus to carry us through our Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening. The NFL slate yesterday was lackluster. I'm never going to complain about football just because it's football, and we get such a small amount of football. We only get 17 weeks of it compared to baseball or basketball, so I'm never going to complain. Football's football. It's still great, but yesterday, not exactly the best day of football, but still some interesting games to talk about. I want to talk about other games than just the Packer game today, because the Packer game gave us a little bit to work with. Um, I I would say that yesterday's Packer game is like a, an appetizer, right? A crab cake on a small little bed of rice with a little sauce. Like that's it. Eat it in four minutes. This is not uh, an old country buffet, three hour affair of content and stories and things to talk about. No, it gave us a couple of things. It gave us a small plate, couple little bits of content to discuss so we'll do that but then I want to talk about some other games as well just because I don't know if I can talk about that Packer game for two full hours it was I don't know it was whatever it was what it was they covered they won by 14 so betters are happy fans we can be happy with the win I just I don't know that seems like one of those games that we'll forget about in 12 months and every season has those games so this is not like it's the worst thing in the world but I want to talk about some other things today 
as well. Going to talk about the Badgers, which normally we don't do on Mondays. Normally we're all Packers, but I do want to talk about the Badgers win. I feel like that demands some conversation. The Chiefs got blown out. I think that's fascinating because I see a lot of parallels between the Packers 10 years ago and where the Chiefs are now, so we can relate that to the Packers. And, of course, I would love to hear from you today. 608-796-2558, the talk and text line. Breaking news, which I'm I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't listen to Zach's update. Um, I was running around trying to get things ready for the show. I'm assuming Zach got it in his update. Devontae Adams is going to be out on Thursday night. We assume. we It's all but certain he has tested positive for COVID. Um, and even when you're vaccinated, you need to register two negative tests before playing, which means you would have to test negative either today and tomorrow, which probably isn't likely, or tomorrow and Thursday morning, in which case you would have to travel separate, which I guess is doable but still not likely. So Devontae Adams is going to be out on Thursday, and I swear to God, before somebody texts or calls in and asks if he's vaccinated and why he got sick. I'm not explaining this. I, I don't know. You know when you had a babysitter when you were little or you were talking to your cousin or your teacher, and as a kid you asked a question that's like a little sensitive, like how are babies made? And whoever it was, your cousin, your teacher, right, your aunt or uncle, and they just said, uh, ask your parents. If, if you are texting or calling in today asking how Devontae Adams got COVID, uh, even though he's vaccinated, ask your parents. Ask literally anybody else but me. I'm not doing this. How many years into this pandemic are we? This isn't hard. So just we're not doing that whole song and dance today. 608-796-2558. But anything else is fair game, and it's fair game on Twitter as well. Tweet me, at Wisco Grant. I'll have an update from Matt LaFleur, Joe Barry, who also has COVID, and what the Packers coaches said today. Mike Clements, he made it happen this afternoon. He got me some audio really, really quickly from the pressers so I can pass that along to you. Update the Packers situation for Thursday night. Let's do that in 20 minutes. First, let's talk about yesterday. Let's start with the game. I don't want to throw the whole show off due to COVID things. We've had that happen enough in the last two or three years. So this morning, talking about yesterday's game, the Packers won 24-10. This morning, my colleague and friend and cohort here in lacrosse, the morning show host, Dave Carney, we had a Zoom meeting this morning. And we're waiting for everybody else to get into the Zoom meeting because, you know, no, nobody's ever on time, you know, two minutes, three minutes late. And he's like, oh, what did you think of the game? And I didn't really know what to tell him. I didn't really know how to answer. Because to me, there's two different ways that I look at Packer games. There's two approaches that I, I take every week. Number one, it's the fan take. Just win, baby. Everyone is a win. Counted as W, right? Play, bang that drum, chant, go, pack, go, right? All of that. Awesome. Yeah, let's get after it. Let's celebrate, okay? That's, that's good. That's great. That's one side of it. And then the other side is looking towards January, right? And watching through the lens of the last 10 years when the Packers have come up short in the playoffs, whether it be in the division round or the NFC championship game, right, or the wild card round even at times. And they've missed the playoffs once or twice, but that's typically been due to injuries or extenuating circumstances like in 2018 when they, you know, cut Mike McCarthy loose, and they went to Joe Philbin. So that's the other way I like to watch Packer games. It's like, okay, they beat Washington. That's nice. But what does it tell us about their chances in January? And what similarities or differences does this game show us, you know, relative to the last decade when the Packers have come up short? Now, I try my best to watch Packer games both ways. I like cheering. Yesterday, they won. I'm not going to complain. Ask a Bears fan how they feel after yesterday. They were miserable yesterday afternoon, and they probably still are today. Okay? So I'm not going to completely be Mr. Negative and, 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 and nitpick about a game that my team won by 14. That's ridiculous. There is a certain level of celebration. Great. But also, 
as a radio person and somebody who talks about these games for two hours a day, I got to look a little bit deeper than that, right? Aaron Rodgers was great yesterday, and he made it look so easy, didn't he? Aaron Rodgers casually went 27 to 35, three touchdowns. He just looked effortless. Now, Taylor Heineke had a good game, too. He went 25 to 37 for 268 yards. But, God, he had to work. He had to work. And I appreciate that about my quarterback and my team. It was cool to see Robert Tunyon get a touchdown catch on National Tight Ends Day, which, God, there's never been a PR push from the NFL as hard as it was for National Tight Ends Day yesterday. It was unreal. It was cool to see Robert Tunyon get in the end zone. And he was plus 1,400 for his first touchdown. It was a good bet. I saw some people promoting that before the game yesterday. So maybe he laid some money, made some money. Alan Lazard finally got some big action. That was great. And they won by 14 at home. Awesome. That's the fan side. Packers are 6-1. and one. There's plenty to be happy about. But as a radio guy, I got to think a little bit deeper than that. Otherwise, the show would be very boring because I would just play, bang that drum, and then we'd listen to the press conference, and you know that would be that. This game taught me a few things. I think this game was a good example of a few concepts we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. The way I see it, this is a game where the Packers got on the right side of some variance. Where there's all these factors in the NFL, and they present through different stats or through different little things here and there. There's a lot of luck, right? The NFL is much more compressed than basketball and baseball. The best team in the NBA is so much better than the worst team. It's unreal. The best team in baseball, so much better, especially over a five- or seven-game sample, than the worst team in baseball. In the NFL, all of these teams are rather compressed. That's why they say any given Sunday, right? And there's a lot of luck that goes into these games because of that. When the teams are pretty equally matched and the talent is pretty equally matched, you have all of these factors that kind of outside the control of the players, right? Whether it be officiating or the bounce of the ball, whatever, variance, right? Things that can go your way or things that don't go your way. I think yesterday was a good example of some things going the Packers' way that hadn't been going the Packers' way up until this game. Now, I'm not saying that up until this point the Packers have been unlucky or that they've been getting screwed by the refs. That's not what I mean. That's not what I mean when I'm talking about variance. Well, let's just get into some examples. I I think this will become obvious. First and foremost, Rashawn Gary. Right, that was the Rashawn Gary game. And I commend the man. Celebrate the man. It was awesome. It was really cool to see him blow up plays. He forced a fumble. He got a couple of sacks. Rashawn Gary had 10 total pressures yesterday. But he'd been racking up pressures over the course of the entire season. He'd been stacking them up week by week. I saved a million stats on Twitter yesterday and today, so I might have to dig in to find some of these things. Matt Schneidman tweeted out the pass rushing numbers for Rashawn Gary after yesterday. He's tied for sixth in the NFL at quarterback pressures, fifth for quarterback hits, fifth for quarterback hurries. He's been really good up until this week. And this is something we've talked about. He's getting close, but he just hasn't come through with the big plays, with the splash plays. Well, that variance finally swung the way of the Packers, and he had a great game yesterday. He was blowing up plays, forced a fumble. He had two sacks. He was tremendous. And those splash plays, those big explosive disruptive plays, finally came. Finally. And that's and I'm celebrating Rashawn Gary for that. That's great. That's what we've been looking for, right? That's what we've been wanting and hoping for. Right? All of the numbers had been there, been trending in the right direction, and we just haven't reaped the payoff, haven't uh, received the dividends yet. It's like this. If you, if you buy enough pull tabs, eventually one is going to hit big. Right? If you just, keep, but you just keep feeding the machine dollar bills, and eventually one is going to hit. Right? Think of every pressure on the quarterback. You're buying a pull tab. Right? Pressures are good. Pull tabs are a blast. And if you buy enough of them, eventually you're going to win some money back. And if you pressure the quarterback enough times, week after week after week, eventually the sacks are going to come. 
Eventually, the force fumbles, the big disruptive plays, the turnover-forcing plays, the drive-killing plays. They're going to come. It's like pull tabs. And up until this point, Rashawn Gary had bought, like, an entire stack of pull tabs. Like, typically, machines have, what, three or four columns? He bought, like, an entire column of pull tabs. Like, he's just sitting on it, just waiting to blow up and hit a $250 or $500 pull tab. And yesterday, he did. And that's great. And sometimes, I think I come across as a Rashawn Gary hater. And I'll take blame partly for that the sake of the show or you got to push buttons and you got to be provocative or whatever but also like Packers fans we got to stop calling everyone haters it's like well the Packers could get a little bit better at number two wide receiver hater you're a hater no I'm not I just I'm looking at the roster like I would love another guy in case I don't know our stud wide receiver gets COVID before Thursday night football right Aaron Rodgers I wish he'd hit his checkdowns a little more hater three MVPs hater no I'm not oh my god I'm not hating I'm just trying to God, I'm just trying to talk about the game. i got to do this for two hours a day. Not everything is going to be sunshine and roses. doesn't mean it's hate. And with Rashawn Gary, everything was set up for him, right? Top 12 pick. He's in his third year. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's learned how to be an NFL player. And now Zedarius Smith is hurt. And this week, Preston Smith was hurt. And everything was lining up. And it's like, yes, finally, there it is. That's what we've been looking for. That's great. Awesome. And this doesn't mean I'm flip-flopping on Rashawn Gary. It means what we've been wanting, what we've been looking for, it finally happened. And that's great. It's like with the Atlanta Hawks last year. A lot of people hated the Atlanta Hawks like halfway through the year. It's like Trey Young isn't any good. He's not even an all-star. They can't defend anything. They, they don't play hard. They don't do this and that and the other thing. And then what happened? Right? They get healthy. They get a new coach. And they play all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. And it's like, see, everyone is wrong about the Hawks. No, 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 no. The Hawks became a different team. Right? Now, I'm as high on the Hawks as any other team in the NBA who aren't the Bucks. I think they're deep. They're really, really talented. They have lots of ammo to make a trade if they want. They defend really well. Trey Young's got this attitude that I really like that I didn't see before last year. Teams change. Players change. Stats change. And yesterday, what we've finally been wanting to see with Rashawn Gary, oh, it happened. It was great. It was awesome. Loved it. Right? That doesn't mean like that doesn't mean that he proved the haters wrong. It just means that he finally did what we've been wanting him to do. And I hope it continues. The Packers need it to continue, especially with their injuries. But also, he's a top 12 pick, right? You get picks that high, you need to hit on picks like that. And it looks like they have a good player with Rashawn Gary. It's just taking time. And yesterday, we finally saw some of that variance, right? Those pressures finally turned into sacks. Those hits finally turned into sacks or a forced fumble. Variance, good side of variance. Another thing that we saw, red zone defense. For the last couple of weeks, I've been saying, well... The red zone numbers are bad. I don't know if they got to 16 out of 16 or 17 out of 17 before finally getting a stop yesterday, right? But I've been saying red zone numbers are a little bit fluky, okay? So so don't obsess over red zone numbers. We can talk about them, but don't obsess over them because there's a lot of luck. It's very fluky. Well, yesterday's your smoking gun, right? Washington went 0 of 4 converting touchdowns in the red zone. But the way that it happened, eh, a little lucky for the Packers, right? Packers got lucky. Heineke, quote, gave himself up on the one-yard line, which no quarterback has ever done. He was diving. But the way that the rule is set up, if your body touches the ground first, you're a quarterback, you're giving yourself up, and you're stopped. The Packers got lucky in that instance. You heard Taylor Heineke in the intro, but I'll play it again. He's like, I feel like I got in. Not only on the first play, but then on the second play where he's stuffed on the goal line. Packers got lucky. I want to get into specifics, but I felt like I was in there both times. I I mean, you know, I don't want to get fined up here, so I'm not going to say get into specifics about that, but... I felt like I got him both times. God, he sounds defeated. Packers got lucky, all right? And that's okay to admit, Packers fans, right? Terry McLaurin dropped a wide-open touchdown in the third quarter. This one right off his shoulder pad and face mask. Packers got lucky. 
and that's okay. That's okay to admit. The Packers also did some really good things on defense right outside the red zone. They got a fourth down stop. Great play by Eric Stokes, but that was on the 27. So really, really good, but right outside the red zone. So it doesn't count. So that doesn't add to the red zone numbers, right? The Packers forced a field goal on the 27-yard line after sacking him for a loss of 13, so they pushed him out of the red zone. I don't know if that goes into the red zone stats or not, but you see my point. The Packers got a little lucky inside the red zone, but they made great plays right on the doorstep of the red zone. So red zone numbers, very, very fluky, and they can be misleading. Now, 15 of 15, that's horrendous. And they're going to improve on that, mostly because they can't, they can't, get, they can't get worse unless they start giving up multiple touchdowns on every possession. You can't do worse than 15 of 15 or 16 of 16. But you watch yesterday, it's like, okay, here's where the flukiness comes into play, right? Eric Stokes makes a brilliant play in the end zone on third down against the Niners, and then there's a phantom pass interference. Oh, and then the Niners score a touchdown. Okay, well, that's bad luck. Taylor Heineke gives himself up, quote-unquote, on the one-yard line. Okay, well, that's good luck. These things cancel themselves out by the end of the year. And yesterday was an amazing example of how fluky red zone numbers can be. Let's take a break. I want to continue to talk about Rashawn Gary because he was excellent yesterday, and he's been a big conversation point on the show. And I feel like we need to understand and talk about what happened yesterday so we know what the deal is moving forward with Rashawn Gary. I do want to update you on Devontae Adams, who's going to miss this game. Most likely, he tested positive for COVID-19. He'd have to thread a hell of a needle to play on Thursday. Joe Barry is probably also going to miss Thursday night's game for all of the same reasons. I'll have an update from Coach LaFleur. And I think Joe Barry, who spoke over Zoom or something today, he spoke, and I have the, that audio. I'm going to share that with you. But first, I want to continue to celebrate Rashawn Gary because I feel like the guy deserves it. That's coming up next, Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Hope you had a great weekend. My name is Grant Bills, Twitter at Wisco Grant. The big news of the day. This morning it was announced Joe Barry got COVID. And now Devontae Adams has COVID as well. Now, some questions on the talk and text line, starting with Dave in Monona. Dave says this. We need to find out if Adams is vaccinated. If he wasn't, he should be suspended, fined millions, millions, millions of dollars. If I had it my way, he would be kicked off the team because that's what's going to happen come playoff time with our irresponsible players. Well, first of all, Dave, uh, he, he is vaccinated. So the way that it works, if you are unvaccinated, if you are a close contact, you don't even have to test positive. If you're a close contact, you have to isolate. And you have to test negative for like a bunch of days in a row. That's what happened to Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, I don't think, ever tested positive in training camp. He was just exposed. And because he wasn't vaccinated, he had to go through this laundry list of things over a longer period of time. Now, if you're vaccinated, and I don't need to read you the, the millions and millions of bullet points. I found them on Twitter. I bored myself to death reading them. Essentially, if you're vaccinated... You need to test positive twice or negative, test negative. I sound like Michael Scott. Negative in the medical community, it's a good thing. You need to test negative twice, two days in a row. So Devontae Adams could theoretically, if he tests negative tomorrow and Wednesday, he could play on Thursday. That's just not very likely. So Devontae Adams being vaccinated is set up as good as you can be set up to come back and play as quickly as possible. But if you get it, you still can't practice you can't go out right that's common sense it's when you're not vaccinated that the timelines get a lot more complicated and you have to miss a lot more time elk mound nick 
it was nice to see our offense spread the ball and move the ball even when the run wasn't there yesterday. I think Lazard is a major part of our offense come playoff time. Thanks, Nick. They did surprise me a little bit the way that they struggled to run the ball. But I guess it makes sense, right? Washington football team's defense is not very good. Well, it's, it's, it's actually very bad. Um, I was actually a little frustrated with the Packers only putting up, what was it, 24 points. And I know they had some turnovers and some stuff. A.J. Dillon fumbled. But the strength of that defense is the defensive line. You get some good players up front. So with the depleted offensive line trying to run the ball up the middle, it wasn't going to be easy, but they did a good job spreading the ball around. Aaron Rodgers did a good enough job fitting in and running the offense. They were able to put a lot of drives together and move the ball. You're right, Nick. And the defense, very weirdly, all of a sudden got sturdy in the red zone. And they were beneficiaries of some good luck, some positive variance. I started the show by saying the Packers benefited from some positive variance. We're talking about Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary's been stacking up pressures, quarterback hits, quarterback hurries. But the sacks weren't coming. We were waiting for the sacks. Yesterday, we got the sacks. And we got the forced fumble. So finally, right, the chickens came home to roost, so to speak. And that was the same with the red zone defense. The Packers had been bad in the red zone, but they'd also been unlucky with penalties and these other things. The the Eric Stokes pass interference in the middle of the end zone against the Niners, that comes to mind, right? So they had been bad, but they'd also been unlucky. Yesterday, they were lucky defensively in the red zone. Taylor Heineke gave himself up which is a stupid rule, but the Packers got lucky and benefited from that. Terry McLaurin dropped the wide-open touchdown in the third quarter. Right, Packers benefited from that, got lucky. So you start to see where red zone stats can be a little bit fluky. The pendulum swung the way of the Packers yesterday. And the Packers did some really good things defensively outside the red zone. They don't get they don't get credit for that. They got a fourth down stop on the 27. Eric Stokes, great defensive play on fourth down. That's a great play, but that doesn't count towards their red zone stats. You see, Packers can do a lot of good things that don't show up. And they can do a lot of bad things that show up, and they can get unlucky, lucky. Red zone numbers are fluky. However, 15 of 15, you can only get unlucky and fluky to a certain degree. Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary finally showed up yesterday, and I feel like I've been, I don't even know. Have I been critical of Rashawn Gary? I think I've been impatient with Rashawn Gary. Like, I'm starting to look at my watch and say, okay, what time is it here? We're in year number three. I get the pressures. I get the pass rush win rate, but it's it's time. I want to see the big plays. We finally got the big plays yesterday. It was great. Rashawn Gary was talking about this, including the red zone stops. I thought we'd hear from him a little bit because we should celebrate him today. right? Aaron Rodgers, first of all, talking about Rashawn Gary. Why don't we start there? Well, he cares about it so much. Um, he really does. You know, he just got a game ball in the locker room, and um, he's a good kid, man. He really, good kid. really loves football. He's a good kid. He's a grinder. He's working at his craft. And he's relentless. You know, I think as he continues to get experience, the, the pass rush moves will continue to improve. But a lot of his production is just that he doesn't give up on the play. And he's strong enough to bull rush. He's quick enough to get around the edge. And I think he's just improving at all times. You know, Rashawn Gary is one of the best high school players in his class. He's one of the top recruits going into Michigan. I like hearing from Aaron Rodgers about a player that the Packers are going to have to invest in. He, here's the thing. When we judge Rashawn Gary, I, I have all these things in my mind. And you should too, because not all of these players exist in a vacuum. Our expectations for Rasul Douglas playing well are different than Kevin King, different from Jair Alexander. These players are different ages, levels of experience, different prices, different points in the draft. With Rashawn Gary, there's a couple things we have to understand. Like he's a 12th overall pick. That, that should raise his floor a little bit. Look, our expectations should be higher of him, and that's fair. That's not being a hater. That's not being a bozo. That's just that's being realistic. 
Also, you have to think about Rashawn Gary as a player that the Packers are going to have to pay, right? At some point, they're going to have to decide, is this our pass rusher of the future? And if so, we're going to have to pay him a handsome amount of money. So celebrating little things here and there, that's great. And I'm not saying that this week was a little thing for Rashawn Gary, but I'm saying he has a sack in week four. And it's like, yeah, Rashawn Gary. Okay, well, also think, think that, is it enough? Has he shown us enough? Is he producing to the level of a top 15 pick at a very premier position, a pass rusher who's going to command a lot of money? Is he good enough? I like hearing from Aaron Rodgers, all of those things considered, that he doesn't give up on plays, that he cares so much, that his motor is so high, and that he impacts plays even when he has to run someone down from behind or come from the other side of the field. If I'm about to pay someone a bunch of money, someone who's been highly touted for a long time, someone who's highly recruited and and has been at the top of his game in class for a long time, that he's not all hot and cocky, okay? I like hearing those traits. And maybe that's just Aaron Rodgers doing press conference speak. I'm trying to read in between the lines. I'm glad. If I take someone in the top 15 and I'm going to have to turn around and pay him a lot of money, those are the things that I like to hear. Rashawn Gary talking about red zone defense, not having a stop until today. Oh, people were saying that? <laughs> uh, I didn't know that, but, um, you know, we just know we just know our standard and we know what we expect. Um, you know, we're not listening to no outside noise. We understand what we have in this building and we're chipping away day by day, man. Red zone defense when you give up 15 out of 15 or whatever they got to, you're going to talk about it. It shouldn't be something we obsess over for all the reasons that we've talked about since the show started at, you know, whatever, 405. There's a lot of luck. So Rashawn Gary's got a point. Like We understand the numbers. We understand what's going on, but we don't obsess over it. We focus on the big picture, playing better defense. Those numbers will swing back to the mean, and I think that started yesterday. He talked yesterday about getting a couple of those stops in the red zone. Just uh, locked in, concentrated, um, understanding things that they like to do in the red zone, and just trying to, you know, take it, take it away from them. Um, and us up front, just, you know, trying to make it hard on the old line and the quarterback, the running backs, have them fill us all throughout the game. And like I said, series by series, we got better throughout the whole game. Just little bit by little bit here, focusing on the little things. Joe Barry starting his first year as a defensive coordinator. I, I like what I'm hearing in press conferences. I still don't know how good this defense can be, right? This is our team, so we're going to break them down at a very granular level and like borderline obsess over them. But I like what I hear, and I like that they're – slowly but surely making progress. Whitney Merciless, everybody's shouting this guy out in press conferences. Aaron Rodgers, even when he's not prompted. Rashawn Gary asked about him yesterday. Whitney Merciless played, I have this number somewhere. I told you I saved a bunch of little notes from yesterday's game, so I'm going to do a lot of scrolling. He played, where the snap counts. God bless America. Whitney Merciless played 31 defensive snaps, which is 43% of the game yesterday. So, he was a borderline rotational player. Here's Rashawn Gary talking about the Packers' newest edge rusher. Man, he's a, he's a dog. Um, you know, off rip. Um, it's his knowledge of the game and what he sees. And you know, just just he a smooth guy, man. He he walk around. You see the energy, you know. And just him having that experience. You the experience is number one, man. Just you know, coming off. You know, sometimes he's like, yeah, he's giving me this. He's giving me this. And I go meets the tackle. He's giving me the same thing. So I already, you know, we're going back and forth, you know, just communicating. So, you know, just having that experience and just, you know, a guy just willing to share his information. Rashawn Gary, Packers hope that he can be one of the best edge rushers in the league. That's how they drafted him. That's how they're going to have to pay him. I don't make the rules. Those are the rules, right? I, I'm sorry if I'm being hypercritical of Rashawn Gary and, and really having high expectations. Those are the rules. He's a top 15 pick. They're going to have to pay him a bunch. We need to judge him thusly. I like that they have Whitney Merciless in the building, someone for him to kind of learn from, a lot of experience. Guys like Preston and Zedaria Smith, too. I think it's a good environment for him to kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? 
I cut his teeth. Is that an expression? Cut his teeth? You get my point. To mature and to learn how to play the game. And it seems like he's coming along nicely. Finally, we got some results yesterday. I'm as happy as anyone because I want to see him succeed. I want to see all Packers players succeed. Coming up next, uh, do we want to talk about the Badgers? Here's what we'll do. We'll do an update on Devontae Adams from Matt LaFleur, who spoke today. And then we'll talk for a couple minutes about the Badgers. Deal? That's coming up next. Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Yesterday's Packers game, not boring, but not exactly thrilling. But that's okay because we got some thrilling news today. Problem is, it's uh, it's bad news. Devontae Adams probably going to miss the Cardinals game. Joe Barry, defensive coordinator, going to miss the game too because they have COVID tested positive. So I'm going to give you an update. We're going to hear from Matt LaFleur who answered questions about this today. And then we're going to talk about the Badgers in a few minutes, which is perfect because I have some things to say about the Badgers, but I don't know if I could do this long, drawn-out thing about the Badgers beating the Boilermakers. We'll see. Maybe I'll go on a rant. 608-796-2558. You can reach out. Say hey. And Dan says, sorry, I tuned in late. Did I already miss the sectional cross-country recap? My nephew Dylan qualified for state as an individual from Brookwood. Well, congratulations. It's not easy to make it individually. It's a lot easier to make it uh, as a member of the team. I think it's only 10 individuals make it once you take out uh, all of the the runners that qualified as state. Onalaska girls, or uh, Onalaska boys dumpstered everybody. The Menominee girls, I... Those are two really good teams. Really fun to watch. Really good runners. And what was cool to see is that the favorites in both races, Bella Jacobson from Menominee and Manny, is it Poots from Onalaska? I don't have it in front of me. Sorry, I have Packers stats. Sue me that I'm trying to keep straight because I saved so much stuff from yesterday's game. They lead wire to wire. Do you know how hard it is to lead a cross-country race wire to wire? That's like over three miles that you have no one around you. You're You're just floating in space. With no reference of how fast you're going or how fast you're supposed to be going. So that was really impressive, too. Saturday, for all of the cross-country runners, and I hope it was this way around the state, perfect day. Not a breath of wind, just a little nip to the air. I mean, for spectators, beautiful fall, foliage, scenery, fantastic day. That was the highlight of my weekend was going to see a cross-country meet. Uh, But the Packers and Badgers, great as well. Um, I'm going to start playing some of these Lafleur clips, and then I'm going to get to some other of these texts because I'm behind. Uh, Matt LaFleur asked if there are other coaches or staff in the protocol. I'm now seeing that this is only six seconds long, so I'm assuming he is uh, brief here. Uh, yeah, there's potentially some other issues and, um, you know, with, with staff. All right. Uh, I, I have nothing to add there. Uh, the team is now in advanced protocols. Uh, Matt LaFleur. Yeah. No, we are in advanced protocols right now. And so with that comes some, like, none of our, all our, our – Coaches' meetings are virtual today, and then we got to test again tomorrow. Everybody has to be masked up in the building, player, whether you're vaccinated or not. So, okay, so they're battening down the hatches, uh, so to speak. Asked if Jerry Gray, defensive backs coach, is going to coach the Packers' defense on Thursday because Joe Barry's out, not just Devontae Adams. That's something that we're kind of working through right now. I think, regardless of how we do it. It'll be a collective effort with everybody involved and having input, but certainly you feel confident with a guy like Jerry who's called it before and has had, you know, a top five defense in this league. So uh, we definitely have people that we feel that are capable of of getting the job done. Now, Richard Sherman helped 
coached the defense for the Buccaneers yesterday had a headset on. I'm trying to think if there's a Packers player on injured reserve or somebody who's not playing. Zedarius, Zedarius doesn't strike me as a coach. I'm not saying that he that he couldn't do it. He seems like more of a hype man. Jair, I don't, that dude's on his own plane of being. I don't know. Is there a Packers player maybe? Or somebody like uh, Tremont Williams. Do you think he's got the, de- the depth of knowledge to come in cold and just coach the defense? I don't know. Could be interesting. Just I'm trying to think of possibilities, especially after Richard Sherman doing it yesterday. Although, with how the Bears played, and that's something we'll talk about later in the show, uh, I don't think playing defense was necessarily hard for the Buccaneers yesterday. Finally, Matt LaFleur. Uh, I'm just going to read you the caption from our Mike Clemens. Matt says, whomever runs the defense, they are facing hottest offense in NFL versus Cardinals. Regardless of who calls it, we're going to have to be on our A game because it's going to be a heck of a challenge. I mean, it's a, the best offense in the league right now, and they got a lot of dynamic playmakers led by their quarterback, but, you know, tight ends, receivers, um, running backs, you know, Edmonds is a, is a stud, so they got a, lot of, well, they got a lot of weapons. Tweet from Juice Man Joe says, thought Eric Stokes tightened things up after the misplay on the touchdown. Gary is on the cusp of becoming a good one if he can continue to turn pressures into sacks. We've said our piece on Rashawn Gary. I agree. It was nice to see that finally be the case yesterday. Uh, Eric Stokes played all of the snaps yesterday. I don't know what the numbers say. I don't subscribe to Pro Football Focus, um, but if my bosses are listening, would love that. Uh, Christmas bonus. Don't need a bonus. Uh, just give me a subscription so we can reference this during the show. It'd be great. Um, I could probably email my boss and ask. Maybe they would, but I'm going to continue to publicly ask on the show, apply pressure that way. Um, that's the route I'm going to take. Eric Stokes tightened things up on the misplay. Yes. The misplay against Terry McLaurin was just an example of him playing the receiver and not the ball. That's a ball that he could have picked off. Instead, he's not looking at the ball. He's looking at McLaurin, and then the ball kind of just in a lucky way falls through, and McLaurin's a spectacular player. He made the grab. Eric Stokes, to me, just seems like he belongs. That's the best way I have to describe it. He seems confident. He doesn't... He makes rookie mistakes, but he doesn't play like a rookie over the course of the game. I'm confident with him out there, as confident as I would be with anyone else on this roster who's not Jair Alexander. And I don't know how that's reflected in stats. I don't know how that's measured, but he seems like he belongs. Is that a good way to sum it up? That's kind of what came to my mind yesterday when I was writing a couple of things down. Thank you for the tweet, Juice Man Joe at Wisco Grant. Let's talk a couple of minutes about the Badgers. I don't do a lot of college football on this show, but why not? Weirder things have happened. We're talking about cross country. The Badgers beat Purdue, and it's coming off of this week where Iowa had then lost to Penn State, and we were doing that thing that Badger fans always do where we start rationalizing. It's like, well, if the Badgers, they just got to win out. And then they make the Big Ten title game, and then they play Ohio State. If they win that game, they're in the college football playoff. Bam! It's like, well, yeah. I mean, um, I suppose. I suppose that would happen. We've been laying it out that way in our mind for six years now, and it is yet to happen, but maybe. Just got to win out and then win the Big Ten championship, and they're in. Yes, and if I had wheels, I would be a wagon, but that's not always how life works. This is the most Wisconsin logic ever. We do it every year. And it never really comes to fruition. But the parameters were set up once again where just, eh, maybe, maybe the Badgers could. And I figured that Purdue would beat us. Um, and then that dream would be dead. Although then Iowa would probably lose again to keep the dream alive because that's typically how it goes in the Big Ten West. The Badgers ran away with this game yesterday. Literally. They ran by running the ball. And I'm not really sure how. The final score turned out to be 30-13. to 13. They won by 7. 
or 17. Oh, God. Great. Yeah. Nice math. One by 17. I didn't really think that would be possible. Ben Kenny, producer, mastermind extraordinaire of the Bill Michaels show, laid it out for us on Friday. He's like, well, the Badgers can't cover deep, and Purdue has the best deep threat in the Big Ten, and they can't block elite pass rushers, and Purdue might have the most elite pass rusher in the Big Ten. Not exactly a good combination of variables for Wisconsin, right? Consider that, and then consider that the Badgers were bad in the red zone. Again, they had penalties everywhere and in the red zone. Again, and Graham Mertz fumbled the ball and literally gave away six points, and this team still won by 17. And, of course, it's for the most Wisconsin reason ever, the running backs. The running game prevails. The running game cometh. One running back yesterday, Ches Malusi, had 27 carries, and the other running back still had 140 yards. That's nuts. Those two went off. Ches Malusi, like I said, 27 carries, and I don't want to be wrong, so I'm going to pull up the stats. 149 yards for Malusi. Um, Braylon Allen, 12 carries for 140 yards. Exactly half of that was on one carry. He had a 70-yard bomb that he hit. 51 runs combined, 5.7 yards per carry. Paul Chris gave him the old Nebraska treatment. The old the old Bo Pelini treatment, right, where you just run it down their throat and it's demoralizing and they can't stop it and it's not flashy, but it's what Wisconsin does. It's exciting. It's good. I hope that this rallies the Wisconsin offensive line because they need to rally and it gives the offense a little confidence because they really need confidence. And Braylon Allen excites me because he's somehow only 17 and he looks elite and that's great. He's just got to not fumble the ball, which was Jonathan Taylor's deal too, so we have precedent. We've seen what this team looks like without an elite running back, and it's not exactly great. So the idea of Braylon Allen being awesome, I love that. But it also worries me, because Graham Mertz attempted eight passes in this game. It's the fewest since 2012, when Cam Phillips, our boy, that Phillips guy, as I always reference him as. They had Monte Ball, James White, and Melvin Gordon in that game, so there's reason to maybe not throw the ball. What concerns me on a macro scale, and not just on the scale of beating and covering at Purdue, you're telling me that the best version of this Wisconsin team is when Graham Mertz throws eight times? Okay. But then what's this all been about? What has all the quarterback hype been? What's the recruiting hype been about? Why would, if that's the case, why would any high-level quarterback come to Wisconsin? Yeah, like, I, I know the metric of success is not winning national titles every year. That's just not realistic. Not Ohio State, not Bama, not Clemson. That's not how it works. I, I get that. I'm a realistic Badger fan. Right? I enjoy the rivalry games against Minnesota and Iowa and the chance to contend for the West and make a Big Ten championship game in a high-level bowl, and that's good. I'm a fan of a successful program, and I'm not going to whine about how we never go to the playoff. But you get your best quarterback recruit ever in Graham Mertz, and that's, that, that's it? Your best game of the year, your best win of the year is when he only throws eight times? I mean, Kyle Shanahan's going to draft the guy at that rate. Why would any elite-level quarterback want to come here then? Look with the Packers. I'm always asking, okay, nice. So what? What does that mean? What does that mean for the playoffs? What does that mean for the future? Okay, the Badgers won that game. Braylon Allen is great. But how is Mertz this bad? How is he that bad? Their best game of the year, he throws eight times. Okay. The old 49ers type approach. The old Bo Pelini. Gave him the Pelini treatment. Ran the ball 50 times. The ultimate sign of disrespect. And it was fun. It was fun to win. Because this team's been kind of a slog to watch at times, but I don't know. Graham Mertz, I do not know. Let's take a break. I want to talk more about the Packers, and I want to talk about the Chiefs, because how did they lose by, like, a million to the Titans yesterday? That makes no sense. That's coming up next. Wisco Sports Show. 
This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, we're just talking a little bit about the Badgers, how they beat Purdue, and how the door is open for us Badgers fans to do that thing where we, we always do it every year, where we're like, well, if we just win out and we get to the Big Ten title game, we beat Ohio State, and we're in the playoff. They're not going to keep the Big Ten champ out. We, we rationalize this every year. Mike and Monona, this is spot on, right? Because you're a part of this just like I am. Mike and Monona text in. He says, come on, Grant. We could be the first three-loss team to make the playoff. Get see right there. That's what I'm talking about. We're just, we live in denial in this state. We eat Culver's, we shop at Quick Trip, and we're in denial about how the Badgers always have this magical path to the college football playoff. And I love it. I love it. It's mental gymnastics to the nth degree. It's awesome, but it's crap. Uh, that being said, maybe. maybe the first. It's like betting the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know why people still do it. I love it, though. It's the it's the biggest rush. You finally think that Matt Ryan and, and the the boys are going to put it together, and they, they never will. They're never going to go over on their win total. They're never going to score in the red zone. It's just it's not going to happen. Stop, stop. Stop betting the Falcons. Stop doing this thing with the Badgers where we're like, but they, but maybe. But, yeah, we're right, but but they won't. But, may, but maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm part of the problem, too. I wanted to talk for a couple minutes before we get back into the Packers at 5 o'clock. I want to talk about the Chiefs game yesterday. Because there weren't very many interesting games yesterday. Okay, the Patriots beat the Jets. Okay, knocked me over with a feather. The Giants and the Panthers played in a game that is probably illegal in Texas. That's how painful it was to watch. Bengals blew out the Ravens, which is interesting. We're going to talk more about that. But then, you know, the Rams beat the Lions. Oh, shocker. Cardinals beat the Texans. Oh, shocker. Oh, the Bears got blown out in a huge spot in front of a national audience. Shocker. Sorry, Bears fans. Didn't mean to go there. The most interesting result of yesterday's game might be the Chiefs losing by 24 points to the Titans. The Titans aren't that good. They got some good players, but they're not that good. The Chiefs scored three points against the Titans. The Jets scored 13 points yesterday. The Texans, give them credit, our Houston Texans, they scored five points. By the way, the New York Jets, who were terrible, they scored 24 on Tennessee and beat them two weeks ago. Now the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Andy Reid, you get three, three The Chiefs are broken, and I don't cheer against them. This is such a Colin Coward thing to say. I don't cheer against the Chiefs. I cheer for interesting, right? And this is is interesting. The Chiefs being bad is interesting. I'm not a hater. I don't cheer against the Chiefs, but I cheer for interesting. And this is, oh, this is just too good. They make almost three straight Super Bowls, except they played Tom Brady, so naturally D. Ford lines up offsides, and God prevented that from happening, right? And here they are at three and four. They're just not good. The Raiders look better. Chargers look better. The Broncos stink, so they don't count. But the Chiefs, they're not good, okay? And two years ago, I thought the Chiefs were about to become what the Packers should have become post-2010. Packers won the Super Bowl, and we thought, oh, my God. They're just getting started. No one will ever beat them. They got this budding pair of McCarthy and Rodgers, and God, look out, this wide receiving core, and they got all these great defensive players. And then it just never really worked never figured it out post that playoff loss in 2011 and it's the same thing now with the Chiefs and there's so many similarities between what happened with the Packers and now what is happening with the Chiefs it doesn't mean it's going to continue but this season it's nuts Mike Renner tweeted yesterday and my jaw hit the floor 
He tweeted this. Mahomes is dangerously close to that point where Aaron Rodgers was a few years ago, where he thinks he can salvage anything into a big play outside the pocket. So he's turning down a lot of realistic opportunities within the structure of the offense. He 100% can, but it's not nearly as sustainable. He broke the pocket 13 times yesterday, went one of six for 23 yards with an interception, two sacks, and five carries for a first down. This is what Aaron Rodgers tried to do. And Aaron Rodgers' faith in McCarthy's system broke down to such a degree that he's like, screw this, I'm not doing this. I'm going to run around and do my thing because that's how good I am and I can do it. And Rodgers was that good, but you can't win football games and win playoff games like that. It's not sustainable. It's not easier. You're going to get hurt. And Mahomes almost got his head taken off yesterday trying to do the same thing. Now, the Chiefs, I think, have made some organizational missteps that the Packers didn't even make in the early 2000s. The way that the Chiefs have handled their draft capital, especially at the top of the, the drafts the last couple of years, been terrible. They traded their 2019 first-rounder for Frank Clark, who then they immediately had to pay. 2020, they took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's not even good. He's the new Ezekiel Elliott. Amazing, star-studded college team, so you just take the back off of that team in the first round. He's not that good. And then 2021, they traded their pick for a left tackle, which is chasing a problem. Oh, if we just fix left tackle, we can win a Super Bowl. Well, no, because not everything else remains stable. Now their defense is decaying. Their tertiary weapons on offense are decaying. They can't run the ball. Their scheme is decaying. This year, they went linebacker and center in the second round. Not exactly premium positions you want to invest in. At least the Packers in the early, you know, 2010s, they went tackle in 2011. Derek Sherrod, it didn't work, but smart position to target. They went Cobb in the second round. I like wide receivers high in the draft. And they went edge with Nick Perry in 2012, who didn't work. But edge rushers, it's a good bet. It's the modern equivalent. I know at the time he was like a defensive end or, a, or an outside linebacker, but now he would be labeled an edge. Smart investment. The Chiefs can't even say that. So I am all for the next couple of months and years with the Chiefs. I'm fascinated to see how it goes now that it's not my Packers. I think we're going to see a lot of the, th- the same thing has happened. It'll be fun to follow. Let's talk more Packers first. An update. Zach Heilman. <laughs>